When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about how you can do your own happiness project. And on a different note, we're going to do a deep dive into the question of how to survive a breakup. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, a few episodes back, I promised to hold you accountable for going hiking on the weekends. And so I'm asking, how's that going? Ooh, well, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, <laughs> a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretchen, I'm happy to report that I have gone hiking on the weekends. Yay! Um, this came up when we were discussing the essential seven habits. Mm-hmm. And I had said I was going to start hiking early Saturday morning while Jack and Adam are kind of lounging in bed uh, because I always sort of feel like, oh, I'd love to do something right now. Um, And that I was going to make it, you know, a fun thing that I'm doing um, and like do it with a friend and um, incorporate that into my routine. Um, Now, I will say one thing I realized is that Mm. you called me on it. You said it was really more about exercise and fun. And I think you're right. I think Mm. I do see it as, but it's a way to make exercise fun. Yeah. But it doesn't fill that like leisure goofing off. Like for some people, it would be really something they look forward to and fun, fun, fun. And for you, it's like a really pleasant way to exercise. Right. Um, Now, I haven't gone every weekend. But um, because things do come up that are unavoidable, but any chance I've had, I have followed through and I've done it both alone and with a friend. Okay. Um, so I'm very happy that I'm doing it and I want to, you know, just keep on hiking. Okay. I'm going to keep asking you about it. <laughs> um, and before we launch in, um, there's two things we want to tell listeners. First is um, for our very, very special episode, episode 100 
you can send us questions about anything. It doesn't have to be related to happiness or good habits. Um, it can be anything because we get these we get questions from time to time that there's just no kind of way to work into the into the show. For instance, people often ask, who made that egg maker that you talked about, <laughs> Gretchen, way back in episode whatever it was? And that is Krupp's. Yes, it's mm-hmm. the Krupp's egg, egg maker if you want to make perfect hard-boiled eggs every time. You can ask us about our parents. You can ask us about how we got into our careers. You can ask us... Uh, I don't know, embarrassing moments, anything you want to know. So you can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336 um, because we're very excited to do that for our very special episode 100. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> then we also wanted to preview a project that we're doing in January, and we hope you guys will all join us. I'm a little nervous about this because it's Instagram, (laughs) and I'm not an Instagram expert, but we are going to share a photo every day of something that is helping boost our happiness or good habits. Yes. The research is clear that one of the ways to make yourself happier um, is to focus on gratitude and to think about like the things that you love or that make you happy. And a great way to do that is to take a picture of it. Also, if you're trying to change your habits, a great way to stick to your good habits is to hold yourself accountable or to memorialize what you're doing. So whether you want to post a picture of like a beautiful flower that you saw that makes you realize how much you love nature, or you want to post a picture of how many steps you've taken that day, uh, you can you can use it any way you want, but it's just this idea that we're going to try using Instagram as a way to boost happiness and good habits. And we're going to use the hashtag happier2017. So you can follow us on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin and at LizCraft. And uh, but so we'll we'll remind you again, but that's going to be something fun coming up in January. Yeah, it's going to be fun to connect with everybody on Instagram. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to see what you guys post. Um in 2017. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. Um, and Alyssa, this week, our Try This at Home tip is to start your own happiness project. Yeah, Gretch, this is a great Try This at Home uh, for January and the new year. And it was inspired by a listener question, which I will read. Um, this is from Evelyn. She says, with the new year coming, I am starting to plan a happiness project for myself for next year. I am rereading your book, but I'm also wondering if you would consider doing an overview of how to do a happiness project step by step. And uh, we've never done that on the show, Gretch. And, you know, your book has helped so many people. Um, We let's get into it. Yeah. So what I did with when I was doing my happiness project, I I got the idea because I realized, like, what do I want from life? I want to be happy. But I realized I didn't spend any time thinking about happiness or how to be happier. So what I decided to do was to spend a year because a year felt like long enough for there to be actual change, but not so long that it felt interminable, um, a year focusing on my happiness. And so I did a huge amount of research on, you know, ancient wisdom, the contemporary science, lessons from popular culture, talking to the people around me. And what I did is I, so the, the, the year is divided into 12 months. And I decided that I would take 12 areas that I felt like I needed to work on for my own happiness and focus in on those 12 areas. And then each month make maybe three to five manageable concrete resolutions for things that I could do as part of my ordinary day. You know, this is not 
the three-month silent (laughs) meditation retreat or, you know, the trip um, across the world. This is like everyday stuff. And and so that that's the basic idea of a happiness project is like take a year, think about what you want, and figure out the concrete manageable steps that are going to move you in the right direction towards being happier. And so a lot of it is also making your personal commandments, right, before you even launch in. Um, well, I mean, I think that's what, that's one of the things that I did. I love, you know, I'm obsessed with any kind of commandments or manifestos. I love distilling kind of big ideas into trying to make them into as as like succinct as possible because I think that's what's most memorable. Yeah. And so for mine, I, I came up with my 12 commandments, which were like my big overarching ideas about how to live my life. So, you know, like in the month of January for energy, one of them, one of my resolutions was to get more sleep. Well, that's very specific and kind of mundane. But my personal, my 12 commandments were things like, be Gretchen, enjoy the process, do what ought to be done, lighten up, the big ideas that pervade everything Mm. because they're like really defining how you want to live your life or how I wanted to live my life. And then each month it was much more about trying to be very practical and tangible because I think sometimes what people do, and I mean, I certainly did this myself, you have like an idea like, I want to get more fun out of life right? or I want to enjoy the moment. But like, what does that even mean? Like in a day-to-day life, what does it mean? Like, what would that look like? What would you do differently that would allow you to enjoy the moment or appreciate now or get more fun out of life? It's, I feel like you have to turn it into something you can actually follow up on. And then the idea is everyone's things will be different, right? So what, I mean, I guess they could, they could follow your big things if they want to, like energy, marriage, you know, for the different months, but then do it within the month, the things that will enhance their lives. No, and and that's exactly right. I mean, everyone's happiness project is different. And so mine is more like an example and to give you, give a person ideas, but you're, you're, I mean, you listed marriage. Well, a lot of people aren't married. So like that's a chapter, you know, they they got, they got February free, you know, so what are they going to do with February? Or like, I'm not a person who's very interested in music. Like music just isn't something that uh, is, a, is a big thing for me. But like for some people that might be, they might have a whole month dedicated to music and they're like going to get back into playing the cello and they're going to make an effort to go to a live concert once a month and they're going to listen to new music or they're going to like start a band with their friends or, you know, for them, that might be a whole area or adventure. I'm not very adventurous. So adventure isn't a high priority for me, but I know from talking to people that a lot of people really feel like this is a lack in their life. They really feel like if they would travel more, they would do new things or they would learn mm-hmm. something new, that they need a sense of adventure. And so for them, that would be. So I think part of the the creativity and the fun and the value of doing a happiness project is really saying to yourself, well, if I was going to pick my own 12 areas, what would be the most important thing for me? Mm, yeah. Because everybody's would be different. Uh, I mean, some are probably always the same. Like the first month was energy, like you said. And I think that's valuable because when we have energy, everything's easier. Yeah. Well, I you know a huge value for you, Elizabeth, is friendship. Like that's something that you're always coming back to. And, and I think that's something that practically, I think for everyone, because relationships are the most important aspect of, um, if you had to pick one thing that's the most important thing for, for happiness, it's probably relationships. But it's easier to do those things when you have more energy. It's easier to plan yeah. a party or to make a call or, you know, if you have energy. 
You, I think it seemed like a big thing for you that helped you maintain this over the whole year is your chart. Mm. And it seems like for Evelyn, in terms of wanting steps to do, the chart is a big part of it. Yeah, the chart is excellent. Yes. And if people want to get a copy of my chart just to see what one looks like and then and that also to get like a blank one that they can fill out for themselves, they can just email email me at podcast at com, and I'll send it. Sometimes it's helpful to see uh, an example. Yeah, I think the chart is good because I really do feel like a, a key thing is to identify tangible things that you can actually do. Because again, I think it's very easy to have sort of abstract aims, but then not know, but but what's important is to translate them into actual behavior change. So if you want to say something like, get more sleep, well, okay, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's like, I'm going to set an alarm for my bedtime. I'm going to go to bed no later than 11 p.m. I'm going to wake up at the same time every day, even on the weekends. Like there's, what are, what would that look like? What would that what would the actual thing be? And so when you have a chart and you're actually checking off what you've done, then it kind of forces you to push yourself to distilling whatever your aim is into actual behavior. And then and then and better than before, one of the reasons I got so interested in habits is because I, I was thinking like so often people will mention things that they wish that they could do that it's on their chart and they're just not able to follow through. Why is that? And it's because it's it's a habit that's not clicking for some reason. So let me ask you a question. Can people do happiness projects together or do you have to do it on your own? Well, see, that's a great question. And I've heard from so many people who have done them with other people. And I think that sounds like so much fun. Like I've heard of siblings who have done it together and families who have done it together and couples who have done it together and a parent who did it with a child. I think that would be great, but the fact is there's no, like I did it by myself because there was nobody else who wanted to do it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, one of the one of the frustrating things about happiness is that the only person you can change is yourself. Mm. And it's easy to think like, well, I would be happier if other people behave properly and here's a list of what they need to do. Um, but you can't get them to do it, you know? And and uh right. for sure Jamie wasn't going to do a happiness project. That's just not the kind of thing that would appeal to him. My kids weren't going to do it. And you certainly don't want your happiness project to turn into a source of like anger, resentment, nagging. Right, right. Uh, you know, that's not going to make you happy. So for me, while I think it would be so fun and I would love to do that, I did it myself. I did it all by myself. And I think you have to be willing to do it by yourself because if you're waiting for somebody else's enthusiasm, they just may never feel like doing it. A lot of times, it's a lot of people just don't want to do this kind of thing. It doesn't appeal to them. Yeah. And it's like you you want to actually do it. You don't want to just talk about doing it. Yeah. But I have to say, I mean, the thing about the Happiness Project is, you know, I was I was surprised that the book resonated so much with so many people, you know. Um, and I think it's because wherever you are, happy, unhappy, pretty happy, very happy. I think for mm. most of us, there is low hanging fruit. There's stuff that you can do that if you just thought about it, it's like you're it's like you're hiking. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Once you sort of had the idea like, wow, it would really add a lot to my life if I went on this weekly hike. And given that I want to go on a weekly hike, how can I make it fun? It's like it doesn't actually take that much effort, but you have to kind of do it. Yeah. You know, you have to have that thought and then do that that effort to follow up. And then there's a big boon that comes from it. So I think for a lot of people without doing that much extra work or a lot of time, energy or money or planning or you know everything that seems overwhelming, there's things that we can do that then end up having a pretty big happiness effect. Yeah. And I think the great thing about the Happiness Project is that 
it's so practical. It's like practical uh. ways to make <laughs> you happier. It's, you're all about the action item, Gretch. I know somebody was like, you're like the Ben Franklin uh-huh. version of happiness. Yeah. And I'm like, 100%. It's all about like, you know. Um, make your yeah, bed. It is. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, right. and, and, you know, as opposed to sort of heady, just, you know, notions of, uh, you know, connecting with your higher self or all, and all that. Not that that's not important. It is. But it's nice to have concrete steps in place. But it's even, but even to your point on that, like one of my chapters... It was August was eternity. And that was really like when I was trying to like incorporate this transcendent aspect in. Mm. And you're right, because it's sort of like I kind of go for the tangible. So even when I was trying to think about transcendent matters, I tried to make it into something very practical, which led to one of my very favorite um, resolutions, which is to identify your spiritual master. Mm, And that's a way to get in these these very abstract high ideals, but in a practical way, which is like, who is your spiritual master? Which means I have to identify my spiritual master. I have to do the research to understand what my spiritual master stands for. In my case, my spiritual master is St. Therese. So I, I've read like, I don't know, dozens of books about St. Therese. Um, and then and then to think about like, well, she lived in a, her whole life in a cloistered convent and died very young her life is totally different from mine. So how do I imitate her in my life? What does that mean? What does it mean for me to imitate St. Therese? And so it was, a, it was a way for me to very, like, take those transcendent matters and translate it into my own practical sense. Because I feel like in the end, that's just what you can follow through with better. Or at least so, certainly what I follow through with better is when it's, like, very, very concrete. And, you know, one other thing I would say um, is that, Your happiness project, you were writing, of course, the whole time, and it turned it into a memoir. And I do think for a lot of people, keeping a journal about their happiness project would help them keep it up and also help it sort of become cemented. Uh, Because I think writing about something, um, you know, clarifies it in your mind. So I would add that to, um, you know, let's try this at home. (laughs) journaling and in a way to make that practical and manageable i have the one sentence oh yes that i started for that very reason because i'm like i want to keep a journal but i have but i started and abandoned so many journals because i could never keep up with it so i'm just going to write one sentence a day because one sentence is manageable and then i created that like one sentence journal uh journal um which is 5 years of where you can keep a one sentence journal for 5 years in one volume it's my uh, one sentence journal. And so many people have told me how much they love doing it because one sentence, it turns out, is enough mm-hmm. to give you that feeling of I'm keeping a journal, I'm memorializing something important, whether it's my happiness project or it's me starting my business or it's like me, my ch- my son's babyhood or whatever it is I'm trying to keep track of. Um, but again, it's very it's a concrete way to meet that high aim because that aim of keeping a journal often becomes frustrating when we don't follow through with it, which I've done many, many times in my life. I have many journals that like mm-hmm. go through mid-January mm-hmm. and then blank pages. So I know that feeling. Um, and so, right, because I think you're right. It, keeping track of it is a way to cement it in your mind, make it feel more real, create that accountability so you feel like you're going to follow through. And also remind yourself of everything you've learned. A friend of mine said she was looking through her old journals and she realized that she was having the same epiphany as if for the first time every three years. That's (laughs) hilarious. So that's one good thing about having a journal is (laughs) you can keep track of your epiphanies. 
Um, all right. Well, Gretchen, I'm hoping everybody does try this at home and they start yeah. their own happiness project. And I don't know, maybe next year at this time, we'll have people tell us, you know, what their yes. happiness project included and, you know, what their months were and how, how it affected their lives. I mean, I can say as an outside observer of you, I think your happiness project really did make you happier. And even though they weren't doing their own projects, I think it made your family happier because you're happier. Yeah, I think that's right. I do think that's right. Well, Evelyn, thank you for asking that question. It's so fun to talk about happiness projects. Um, And yeah, maybe next year we'll do like a roundup and hear what people, what they dedicated their months to, what their resolutions were. Um, It's so fascinating to hear about people's happiness projects. So let us know if you try it. you you can wait until December. You can let us know faster, too. We'd love to hear about it. Um, Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or go to happiercast.com slash 97. This is episode 97 uh, for anything related to this episode. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretsch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So listen, we got a great happiness hack from Jane. Um, and her happiness hack has to do with the unpleasant task of unloading the clothes dryer or dishwasher. She writes... I tell myself when I start the task that I only have to fold five towels or garments. That's all. I do start with the five heaviest items, which is usually most of the load. Then I tell myself, oh, one or two more for good measure. I'll do that. Often, once I get going, I'll just go ahead and put away the whole load. But telling myself only five in the beginning makes the task less daunting, and I can stop at five without feeling like I violated my agreement with myself. This also works for washing and or putting away the dishes. So I thought this was a great idea. Yeah, I mean, this is great for me, Gretchen, because I have a major problem with not folding the clothes in the dryer. I will let them Hmm. sit there for a week um, (laughs) if nobody else needs the dryer. And sometimes it's like others are forced to take them out. Um, You know, it's a whole thing. So I really think for me, this idea that I only have to fold five garments Mm-hmm. will get me going. And I think she's right. If I actually fold five, I'll probably fold 10. I'll probably end up doing the whole thing. And same with the dishwasher. I do. I am pretty good about unloading the dishwasher. So it doesn't resonate as much there because I do feel like that's one of my little jobs. Um, <laughs> but the dryer is so intermittent. You know, it's not yeah. like, oh, every morning you unload the dryer. It just sometimes there's laundry, sometimes there's not. So I am going to do this. Um, I thank Jane for this um, hack. And um, I think Adam's going to like it because I'll have fewer clothes sitting in the dryer. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of the one minute rule, which is the Mm. rule that anything you can do in less than a minute, you do without delay. Because I think what these kinds of things do is they help you start. 
And one of the things I write about in Better Than Before is that it's hard to start. Mm. And so if you can find ways to help yourself start, then once you get going, it's much easier to keep going. Um, and so something that makes it seem very manageable, like, oh, it's going to take me less than a minute to do it. I'm not, why would I procrastinate? Or I'm just going to do five. Like that, that's no big deal. That just helps you get going. And then once you get going, it's not that hard to keep going. So brilliant. Great, great hack, Jane. Thank you very much. Mm, yeah. So Elizabeth, and uh, now we're going to do a deep dive into breakups because in episode 93, we talked about how to deal with a breakup because we had got a great listener question from a fellow podcaster, Andrea Salenci. Um, she's got a terrific podcast about relationships called YOY, but ironically, she has a relationship podcast and she just went through a big breakup. And so we talked about breakups and we've gotten so many really thoughtful, insightful responses from listeners. So we wanted to do a deep dive into breakups. Like here, we got this one from Peggy. Yes. Peggy says, I got divorced two years ago after being married for a long time. I wanted to do something unusual. So I looked into a trip to Machu Picchu, but unfortunately that was out of my price range. Instead, one day I saw a brief story about Sierra Club outings, both service trips and non-service trips. I looked into these. They were affordable and decided to take a beginner's backpacking trip in California. And it was a wonderful experience. Besides having something to look forward to, I learned new skills, met wonderful new friends, got to travel to a new place, stretched outside my shy and introverted comfort zone, and reconnected with that earlier version of myself that enjoyed this kind of activity. Since then, I've gone on three additional Sierra Club outings, have made an effort to camp as often as I can each spring, summer, and fall, and joined several hiking groups. I even completed a 52-hike challenge this year that included hikes in Canada, Arizona, Utah, and the Midwest. That one leap of faith activity has made for a lot of happy moments in my life. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, we talked about the idea that when time feels rich and they're, and you're doing a lot of novel and challenging things, it, time seems to pass, like a short amount of time feels much longer and that helps you uh, deal with the breakup. And this is, and here she goes, new relationships, new skills, new sense of identity, connecting with the past. I mean, this is like a brilliant way to deal with a breakup. That's such a good idea. Yeah, it's really throwing herself into her new life. Right, exactly. Making Like looking forward, not mourning the past, but looking like seeing opportunities. Yeah. And then Annie had something sort of similar where she said, uh, it honestly feels like almost everyone I know, including myself, is going through a breakup right now. I've already started implementing your advice of throwing myself into my new single life and it's working. And I'm taking an exciting new job that I wouldn't have considered before because of how it would have affected my relationship. Yeah, it's funny. I think whenever someone's in a relationship, they see the advantages of being single. But then <laughs> once they're single, they forget about those advantages. So it's good that yeah. she's seeing the advantages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, Gretchen, you know, I'm working with Marsha Clark, the uh, prosecutor famous yeah. for the OJ trial. Yeah. And she happens to have been married three times. So I asked her, I said, Marsha, you know, what's your breakup advice? Yeah. Um, and she had uh, the very practical advice of uh, being a lawyer herself. She said, whatever you do, don't get lawyers involved. <laughs> Um, this is if you're actually married. She thinks you shouldn't get married to begin with, but that's a whole other oh. conversation. Ooh, interesting. But she says, if you're married, just, you know, do do the divorce yourself. Arbitrate if you must. Do not bring lawyers in because it's only oh. going to create heartache, cost you a ton of money. 
um, and make more problems. So even if you have to fight it out, do it yourself. So I thought that was very good advice because the last thing you want to do is break up and spend all your money on lawyers. Wow. So thanks, Marsha. Yeah, thank you, Marsha. Um, and, uh, you know, we were really curious to hear whether our advice was helpful to Andrea. And because Andrea is a fellow podcaster, she's come into the studio and she's going to talk to us right now and give us a report on how she's doing. It's Andrea Salenci from YOY. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Gretchen. I can't believe I just got dating advice from Marsha Clark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you were like, smart. You didn't oh get God. married. You didn't get so married. You did yeah. something yeah. smart to begin with. <laughs> as long as Marsha approves, I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how long has it been now? How are you doing? We're coming up on three months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a real chunk of time. So give us the report. How, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. So one of the hardest parts is that no one wants me to be sad about this. Yeah. And Elizabeth, that's why I loved when you said that being an adult means learning to live with regret. Mm -hmm. So when I tell friends about the breakup, a lot of them instantly want to make it better. And they say, oh, you're going to meet someone. Mm. It's going to be okay. Um, You're going to look back at this and understand it differently someday. But I'm 31 years old. This isn't giving advice to an 18-year-old who's going to look back and say, oh, I was so silly then. You know, I feel pretty fully formed. And I think I'm allowed to be sad about this. And that it's okay if that sadness doesn't go away. And you guys are the only people who have told me that. And I'm so grateful for that advice. Oh, good. Well, I have to credit my friend Corrine with that. She told me that um, when we were having a discussion about, um, you know, potentially having another child. And it just, I think about it all the time because I feel like some things just suck, but that's okay. You know, you just have to live with it. Um, So it's helped me. So I'm glad it's helped you too. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, how sometimes when we try to make people feel better by insisting that there's really nothing to be sad about, we just make them feel frustrated and like no one's like you're not hearing them. And so it's good to remember, like as a person, if you're trying to be a supportive friend or whatever, that sometimes just acknowledging that someone feels sad or that that there is that maybe you will always miss him or will always think like, oh, that's like this parallel life that, you know, it just wasn't meant to be because you guys were so mature. Like it really was this very principled thing. Like I want to have a child. You're not sure that you want that. Like we need to go our separate ways. That's not the same thing as like people yelling at each other and getting furious. And, and it's just a different kind of breakup. Yeah. And it's not a decision I made lightly. Mm-hmm. I read Megan Daum's book about the decision to have kids. I got every other book I could find on Amazon. You know, I talked with my hairdresser about it. I talked to my family members about it. And, you know, I really, I could see, I had to know me and figure out what I wanted from life. And this kid thing became important. So. But you moved, so you're in a new place. So that probably helps just in terms of everything feeling fresh. Living alone is a dream. It's yeah. pretty great. <laughs> oh, so you are enjoying the benefit of living alone. Yeah. And something I've been thinking about as a way to reclaim my own memories of my things is to maybe throw a party or something. Oh, what do you guys oh, think of that? That's a great I think idea. That's a great idea. No, and so Andrea, you've got a your like you said, your podcast is all about relationships. So has that made it easier, harder? Like how does that play into this? I think leaving you guys the voicemail kicked off a sense of being open about the breakup. So uh, there mm. were weeks where I wasn't telling anyone because you know, you have to kind of re-experience every time you retell that story. Uh, yeah. And this is episode eight of Why, Why if people want to hear the whole full story of the breakup. 
Oh, it's a tearjerker. Uh, <laughs> of course, we all do want to hear. Yes, yes, immediately. <laughs> um, but, you know, another thing that if you write the and, and probably your podcast doing your episode had this result, which is when you tell the narrative of something, people tend to kind of make their peace with it more. They're more able to understand, well, what did I learn from this? Or, you know, how what do I take from this? And there's something about forcing yourself to tell the story of something and memorialize it that helps people come to grips with it. Hmm. Yeah, one one thing Gretchen recommends, Andrea, that I think we forgot to mention, and we've but we've talked about it on the podcast before, is taking Advil for emotional heartache. Yeah. Now, research shows that emotional pain like operates in the same way as physical pain. And if you take uh, over-the-counter pain reliever, it will actually relieve your heartache to some extent. And uh, yeah, no, when my daughter was going through her breakup, I was like, here's some Advil. <laughs> and it's, maybe it's also placebo, too, yeah. you know, if you just feel like you're doing something. But, you know, um, you, we got a really interesting question from a listener, Jonathan, and it would be fascinating to hear what you thought, because I think he raised something that's really interesting. He said, I was just listening to your podcast about surviving, surviving a breakup, and I valid both of your suggestions. However, I noticed that you tried to steer away from angry or vengeful thoughts, both in Andrea's and Gretchen's daughter's situations. I know that acting in anger typically, if not always, ends badly, but sometimes the feeling is still there irrationally. For me, I recently went through a breakup as well, and I found myself unable to deal with angry feelings of abandonment, abandonment, which I know I don't know how to process since I am not an angry person normally. Do you have any advice for how to productively process these feelings, painful as they may be? Mm. So I mean, you guys made this very kind of principled breakup, but I'm sure there were feelings of anger of like, can't you see it my way? Or like, why are we going through this? Why are, you, why are we putting each other through this? Did you, ha- did you have angry or vengeful feelings? How did you deal with it? Uh, <laughs> or do you still? Uh, or do well, you, don't go away <laughs> too quickly. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I had a moment this weekend. So um, we haven't, we don't follow each other. I'm going to sound so millennial. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You are. Like, <laughs> no, we love that. Yes. Okay. So we unfollowed each other on Instagram. As one does. But you can still type in his username and then see his recent Mm -hmm. photos. So he posted a photo of a sculpture at Dia Storm King, which is this place in upstate New York. Yeah, beautiful. And people go there when they're starting a new relationship. Mm. You know, you you wake up and you're like, let's get out of the city and have a romantic trip upstate. Oh, my God. That's so funny because my <laughs> daughter, Eliza, like they went there. Uh, she and her boyfriend, who she's now broken up from, went to Storm King. Wow. Okay, yeah, it is the thing to do. Okay. Okay, so this it's a photo of a sculpture and the sun's coming in through the clouds and it's a cold day. And I zoomed in because now you can zoom in on Instagram. And there's a silhouette of a woman in oh. the shot. <gasps> and she's standing under the under the sculpture and she's taking a photo and I'm like, oh, her, her hat's so stupid. Her oh, boots yeah. are so stupid. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I send it to some friends and they're like, I think she has a hunchback. You know? <laughs> so I think sometimes you find an outlet for the anger and it's on just some random lady who's in a photo he took who yeah. could possibly be his date to Storm King that day, but we'll, we don't know. And I think I have to be able to entertain both ideas that maybe he went to Storm King on his own or maybe... He has a burgeoning new love with someone. I have to, like, lean into those feelings. So, yeah, I'm angry. I'm sad. It made me feel sick. I mean, there's a physical component to looking at that photo that I can't. You did that, like, sinking in your stomach and that, like, pounding in your chest. Oh, just thinking about it. Yeah. So, Andrea, when do you think you will be ready to date? Well, I actually, I did something that feels very uh, 
of the universe of the show, which is <laughs> excellent. I put a date in my calendar because there was the longest time where every day I was waking up and I was saying, is today the day? Am I ready to get back out there? And I don't want to think that anymore. So I just I came up with a date that's six months out from the breakup. Uh-huh. And that's when I'll think about it again. But for now, I'm not ready and I don't have to constantly ask myself if I'm not ready. But, you know, that is so smart. And we, we talked about that on the episode about scheduling time to worry. That sometimes, like, if you just, you, instead of spinning your wheels and having a lot of, like you say, waking up every day and kind of having this very draining kind of mental conversation, if you just say, like, I'm going to start worrying at 10 p.m. Or I'm going to start worrying about, you know, dating again in six months. Then you free yourself because you know when that date comes, then you'll deal with it. And it's and it is it, it, it conserves your energy and, and your mood until you hit that time. But, you know, it's not that you're not dealing with it because it's on the calendar. So that's a really smart. That's a great idea. Good. Yeah, I feel like it's a thing I took from this show, but I can't think of what episode. <laughs> <laughs> so six months. So you got three more months to go. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it seems soon all of a sudden. But yeah, I'll check in in March. Excellent. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. I mean, I think we heard got so much uh, listener response to your question. Um, clearly, a lot of people are going through breakups and it's it's a real it's a real happiness struggle. And it's been great to have you on. It sounds like sounds like you're moving forward. You're doing a lot. And uh, so keep us posted. Thank you guys both. I feel I feel happier. <laughs> I do. I think Andrea. Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take your love away from me. Don't you leave my heart in misery. If you go, then I'll be blue. Cause breaking up is hard to do. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And it's your demerit this week. What's your demerit? Oh, goodness. Well, okay, Gretchen. <laughs> uh, um, I, have, I, I think I've given myself this demerit before, or I've certainly discussed it before, uh, <laughs> which is what I'm wearing every day. Ah. Uh, I have taken to, 
I had, as I mentioned, really wearing sweatpants every single day, unless I have like a meeting with a high level executive. (laughs) And I'm not talking about cute sweatpants, like from Lululemon, you know, I'm talking about real old school sweatpants. Uh-huh. Um, that are not in any way fashionable. And I wear a big t-shirt, often like a man's t-shirt and a hoodie, like a faded hoodie. And it's just bad. But why, 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 why does it matter? Why does it matter if you're wearing sweatpants? Um, well, I'm like the worst dressed person at school. When I take I drop off Jack, I stand mm-hmm. out as like the worst dressed person in the entire school. And I'm not saying everyone's like all fancy and, you know, wearing high heels uh, or suits. It's just that I really stick out and I feel self-conscious and I think it affects then how I interact with people because mm. I'm sort of trying to hide, mm. you know. So you feel like you, you're 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 not engaging with people as much because you feel like you're you're not dressed appropriately. Yes, and it's like if Sarah and I go to lunch and we see people we know, which happens all the time, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, don't look at me, even though I'm wearing the same thing every day, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but it's to the point, Gretch. If you, lest you think I'm exaggerating this. I was walking it. So I work on the Disney lot and they do tours Uh constantly, right? If people want to see the lot. And I was walking down the hall and um, this woman was giving a tour and she was saying, oh, in this building, we have writers and people, you know, production companies. And then as I walked by, she said, as you can see, it's a very casual environment. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God. I just kept walking. Uh, humiliated. Um, but it was like she had to mention it. It was like I looked so bad. She didn't feel it could go without mention. Um, so, you know, one thing I was discussing this with Sarah and what she's yeah. done because she started dressing a lot, you know, uh, more spiffily is she's into bullet journaling, um, mm. which you and I should talk about on the show. Yeah, we, need to, she, we need to deal with that. Yeah. yeah, what she does every day is she writes down her outfit and she calls it an outfit because she thinks if she calls it an outfit, she'll feel more pressure to make it look good. And um, she thinks that's helping. So I'm not committing to doing that, but I really need to do something. It's It's really gotten bad. So listen, you know, I'm wondering, maybe there's like a baby step of just getting uh, more attractive workout clothes, like athleisure or whatever they're talking, you know, like now a lot of people are wearing sort of athletic garb all day long. And it it sounds like partly the problem is that your sweatpants are really like the worst possible form of sweatpants. Could you upgrade, not even like putting on a real outfit, like jeans, (laughs) but, but, you know, um, I wear yoga pants every single day. Um, I'm a big fan of yoga. And I had those yoga pants that look like pants that I bought oh, because yes. some, some listeners suggested that I do that. Um, do you think you could maybe go to some like nice athletic store and buy some like more attractive workout clothes so it's still comfortable, but it maybe looks more um, pulled together than just you know, the giant oversized t-shirt and the, and the gray sweatpants. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I really do. Kind of a first step. Yeah. I also think to be honest, it's, I'm sure a lot of it is I gain weight and I just feel like my clothes don't fit right. So it's like a wake up call to get, you know, 
get serious. Because the thing about wearing sweatpants is like, if it doesn't bother you, then and and you don't have to wear an outfit, then it's fine. But it's clearly making you feel like it's actually affecting your relationships, or you're you're feeling self conscious. Like you're going to school to hang out with the other parents, but then you don't feel good about it, or you're seeing people that you know at lunch. And you feel self-conscious. So it's like, it's not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's actually affecting you. It's actually turning into a happiness stumbling block. So, um, okay. So I'll report back on that. Yeah, report back. Uh, Meanwhile, Gretch, give us your gold star this week. Yeah, well, so, you know, we were in Kansas City for the holidays, as we are every year. And I just want to yet again give a gold star to mom for her Christmas decorations because they are, it's a lot of work and it's, I should get a gold star to dad too, because he helps um, yes. do, the, do just like the heavy lifting of it all. Um, and she does all the arranging and the collecting and it's just, it really is beautiful. It really makes a difference. Like I look forward to seeing the door to their apartment open up and seeing, and I look, I like, will look at the tree and look at every single ornament. I'll look at how she arranged things. Um it's just, it's one of those things where if she, I hope she never thinks to herself, does anybody appreciate all this work? Because mm. absolutely, we all appreciate it. It makes it. It's magic. It is. It feels really special and it makes the time feel special. Like it's always fun to go to Kansas City, but it really feels like a holiday. It really feels like a special time. And I know that it makes um, just that experience so much richer for all of us, for me, for Liza, for Eleanor, even for Jamie, who's not, he does not have a particularly soft uh, place in his heart for decorations, but even he gets a kick out of it because it's just so beautiful and so elegant. Oh yeah, Adam does too. Yeah, yeah. and Jack, of course. Yeah, and yeah, Gretchen, you should make your first Instagram picture in January. Um, you know, something that makes you happier—a picture of mom's decorations. That is a great idea. I will absolutely do that. Um, so, you, if you want to see a picture of my mother's beautiful Christmas decorations, go to Instagram and check out the hashtag Happier. 2017 on January 1st on January 1st I will I will post uh, a beautiful Christmas decoration and follow us on uh, at Gretchen Rubin at Liz Craft and uh, we can't wait to again can't wait to see what people put up and to add our own uh, pictures on Instagram so gold star hats off to mom yep and that's it for this episode of happier remember to try this at home start your own happiness project let us know what you tried and if it made you happier Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Thank you to Andrea Salenzi from the podcast YOY for stopping by today. You can hear about her breakup on her podcast. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you'd like to get my newsletter, which I keep short and try to make interesting and funny, um, I have links to some of my best posts, some interesting research, updates, all that kind of thing. Uh, You can just text me at 66866 and in the message box, enter the word happier. And you'll get a text back that asks you for your email address. You type that in and you'll get a confirmation that 66866 happier. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.